Hi everybody, I'm Stefan Koritar and welcome to the Tech Talk Show. This is the podcast where you can discover insights and valuable information about how entrepreneurs build their startup in the tech industry. A collection of open talks about technology and creativity, people, experiences and life around tech business ecosystems with the main goal to help you get inspired, get started, dream big and build amazing businesses. This episode is hosted by Valentin Mayor. Valentin is the CEO of TechMatch, a company that connects clients with vetted software experts, individual consultants and full project teams from Eastern Europe. Valentin is passionate about helping people grow themselves and their businesses by using his life, tech and business expertise. He has been a software developer for over 10 years, manager and business developer with great communication and sales skills. He helps entrepreneurs reach higher levels. He is interviewing a local technical co-founder called Adrian Magdash. Adrian is the CTO and co-founder at Crafting Software. He is a speaker, trainer and local community leader regarding functional programming languages. Having more than 11 years of experience under his belt, he architected solutions using a wide range of technology stacks in fields like high-performance trading solutions and online education. Words like husband, dad and geek are words that best describe Adrian. Enjoy the conversation and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Nice to have you with us, Adrian. Nice to be here, Valentin. How are you today? Well, well, given the circumstances with Corona everything, I think it's it's good. It's a good day. Okay, I'm very happy. Uh, we get to talk you all, uh, about you a little bit today and about the company you represent. And I know you've done a lot of things in your career. So I prepared a list of questions. We're going to go through them. Hopefully I'm going to extract the maximum value that we can to uh, provide to our audience. And uh, if I have uh, your approval, uh, I'd like to move forward. Sure, let's, let's go. Okay, so let's start soft and tell us a short, give us a short bio about yourself, please. So I'm co-founder and CTO at Carphone Software. I'm a husband, a dad of two, uh, and probably I'm a geek. And yeah, I'm interested about a lot of stuff, mainly technical, science related. Yeah, I have a lot of interests. Okay, so tell us about this interest. Maybe you can go a little bit back to the childhood. How did you become a geek? <laughs> I think uh, the first step was like reading. So when I was a kid, uh, I yeah I didn't have access to a lot of fancy toys that kids have today, right? So I had to use my imagination as much as possible, and to help my imagination, basically I read a lot. So pretty much whatever book. Uh, fall into my hands I read it so and I think I have books from childhood that I've read like I know 20 30 times because books were scarce in that period as well so yeah other than that uh, I think around uh, high school I started getting into computers mostly at that age, I was mostly interested in my gaming. Right? So 
it was all about knowing my computer well enough so I can upgrade it, I can fix it myself, I can. And yeah, so like the first two years was only like hardware uh, and doing crazy stuff with uh, computers and hardware. And in high school, I started also a little bit of programming. What's really weird about this is that in high school, I liked it. It seemed like, okay, I like this, but I wasn't really into it. So like, okay, I'm crazy about this. This is what I'm going to do with my life and stuff like that. Uh, so I was open to, I don't know, all things technical. I was really into physics since that period and stuff like that. Then I went to like uh, computer science university uh, in Krishnapoka. And even there, where I've done a bit more programming, I really didn't felt like, okay, this is it, you know, this. Um, so I've done a bit of like networking. I, yeah, I worked in like IT shops, stuff like that. And then one summer I did an internship. And after like one month, I was hooked, meaning I got almost obsessed with it. So I think for the next, I don't know, at least 10 years, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, uh, reading all the time about uh, programming, software engineering, testing. Then I went into, when I started working for startups, I started to get more interested into the product side. And, okay, basically more than just technical stuff. And having lead roles in several places, in several jobs, I started to focus a lot also on like uh, communication skills, uh, interacting with people, making sure that things are clear for everyone involved and stuff like that. You got so, a junior behind. Is he passionate also about it? <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> one, one second. Just one second. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he, you know, that's, he that's, that's, that's working from home. We need to adapt to that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. This is how he learns. Nice kiddo. I like yeah, it. sorry. Hey. No worries. <laughs> yeah, actually, he's really into computers as well and programming. From a really young age, Whoa. yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's another topic. I, I, but probably, I wonder, I wonder, uh, from who does he get that? <laughs> yeah, 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 he, he wants, yeah, he wants to, to spend as much time with me as possible. So, I guess, I guess. Uh, what about your hobbies now, before going into the books? Because I am gonna hook up on that one. <laughs> so. The books part didn't change. The gaming part didn't change. Just that now it's a lot scarcer. I don't have that much time for gaming, I would like. Uh, I used to do sports in high school. And uh, yeah, yeah, I used to do handball. So now I'm, yeah, I try to, to be as sporty as possible. Even the circumstances, uh, and I'm also passionate about mechanical keyboards, so we can talk like at least two hours only about that. Okay. Uh, space, uh, astronomy, yeah, uh, a lot of science and stuff. 
So, so I guess also the books that you're currently reading are also focused on that. Yes, actually, probably my my reading habits are like eighty percent pleasure, twenty percent like uh, growth or what what my conscience tells me I should read versus what I actually what I'm actually reading. But mostly because. Uh, it's about energy. Meaning, when when I read harder stuff, I need to be focused. I need to be able to actually understand the topic at hand. And yeah, it depends on the day. So they are usually my my reading starts around ten thirty p.m. eleven p.m. So and yeah, uh, so yeah, I like uh, I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy. I would say that's my main reading area, and then I read a lot of. Uh, uh, the rest of the time, it's about sciencey stuff, and also about, yeah, understanding more about the world we live in, from science, technology, energy, uh, psychology, a lot of stuff. That's really interesting. Um, tell me, so. I guess it's kind of obvious, but still, uh, what made you, what compelled you to become uh, a tech guy, a developer? Uh, at the beginning, it was just interesting. I was just interested in computers. So, like, curiosity. Yeah. Uh, I think the moment when my computer broke and physically broke. So, and at that time, I think there was no one in like, I don't know, at least 10 kilometers radius able to help me, maybe more. So I had to do it myself. Oh, Actually, I unpacked my computer and fixed and yeah, at that point, okay. So uh, basically at that point, I became like the tech guy of the family. uh, Of the family and then of the village I was living in and then of the county I was living in. And yeah, and from there, as I said, I've uh, I've did some programming courses in like high school, then university. Uh, I like them, but not like crazy much. But when I actually get my got like my first internship and I got to do something real in programming, then yeah, I. I got obsessed with this and I went with it. So, so, so let, 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 me, let me throw a question here. Now, okay, you're, you're, a, you're a, an expert in your field, but if you were to consider another profession, another job, uh, what would that be? If you were to, I don't know, switch, go back in time and say, I'm not going to do that, what would, what would you consider? Most probably the one I would want the most, I'm not sure if I would be able to do the most, would be like uh, a physicist. And now it depends on like... So, so still, uh, still, still a physics tech? Yes. So, for example, I would like to work at CERN or be an astrophysicist or stuff like that. that for sure, if in the scenario where there's like, I don't know, sort of like World War Three scenario where there's no technology, you know, then probably something more uh, hands-on, like woodworking or something like that. Wood. Woodworking? 
Yeah, actually, I like, I like to. Yeah, uh, it's really peaceful. I mean, if, for me, usually it's uh, physical activities are peaceful. So when I want a bit of uh, rest and time to think and to let things settle, yeah, I I go into physical labor. Okay, okay, that that I, it helps. I I do that sometimes, and indeed it helps. Uh, Adi, before we go into the, um, thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, we get to understand you better. Uh, before we go into the, you know, business tech related stuff, I still have one question. Uh, get you out of the comfort zone. Let's put it this way. So, name one thing that people wouldn't say about you, but it's true. Maybe it's something I don't know, funny or crazy or strange. That's. That's hard, usually yes. because people are pretty comfortable about around me, and I hear a lot of things about me. Um, <laughs> I know something that this is a hard question. Stubborn, most probably, not a lot of people tell me this. That you're stubborn. But I mean, yeah, I'm pretty stubborn, stubborn. to uh, find solutions. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm stubborn in the sense that uh, also something that I like to be really, really independent. So I'm not really comfortable about asking for help, for example. You know, people don't usually, and because of that, I tend to try to find solutions myself. I'm not that, yeah, not wanting to ask for help is like forced me to find solutions and I think it was it helped me also grow a bit faster from a technical point of view and stuff like that. Okay. That's a really interesting aspect and I think I'm gonna come back when we're gonna talk about your team. Because I guess you're also more or less inflicting or pushing your manner of working in your team and I'd like I'd like to understand more. Um, okay so uh again You've told us you already have a company that you've launched. So could you please share a little bit about when and how did you start your company, please? Um, officially, we started the company in October 2015. Unofficially, we started working together like the founders. We are four founders. We started working together, I think, almost one year before that. The progression was something like, okay, each each one of us had separate paths in a way. We tried to to become as good as possible in our fields, right? So professionally to be good at what we do and to have good reputation and stuff like that. Uh, but after a while, right, after 10 years plus, you start to realize that at least that was like, for me, probably others are realize this faster, but I wanted somehow to start building my dreams or my ideas into reality, not so much other people's. And yeah, basically we said, okay, so we've done a lot of services, a lot of outsourcing. We started working for different product companies in Cluj, even though maybe we were not that involved in the product part because we were still maybe like a development center for them, not necessarily like a product side. 
Uh, but still, we started to see the allure in like, okay, we want to build products. And ultimately, with the image that comes with it, mainly like independence. So, um, and also the fact that you are involved more, right? So after you you master something or you get good, for example, like technical stuff, there are so many things that happen, you know, product to, to be real, to be a success. It's not, it's not only the technical part. There are a lot of other stuff that needs to happen and needs to happen well at the right time to, to be yeah, a success. So we wanted to, to do that. We started doing it. Um, the thing was that we started doing it like an after, after work manner. So after working eight, 10 hours for various companies, we said, okay, now we are going to put four to six hours into, into this product. Uh, after six months plus, it got pretty visible that it's really hard to do this in this manner, mainly because after six months, almost all of us were born out, like from really tired. And around that time, there came an opportunity for us to basically to start working for on a project for an ex-colleague of us that uh, he was starting a startup in uh, Silicon Valley and he asked, okay, do you want to work together again? Yeah, sure. But at that time we said, okay, but we're going to have our company, we're going to help you build your product, but we don't want to be your employees anymore. So, or work as an employee, mainly because we explained it uh, at the beginning, we want to build our stuff on the side. Um, the thing was that it took us, after we started crafting software, uh, two years were full, were, we were really fully like day in, day out on this product. So you practically dedicated, you practically dedicated your full time and energy on that. Yeah, more than <laughs> full time. Uh, yeah, basically to, to make it real. And we made that real. The, the good part was that at, the, at this moment, we weren't like, a developer, or we, we got to be involved in all the sides of the projects, like from um, product requirements, discuss about it, talk with the clients. So we 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 were exposed to a lot more um, than regular projects done as an I don't know services company. Not and just, then we said, not just okay, this is. Then we realized that this is the recipe for us. So. On the services side, if you want to be successful, we have to be engaged. To be engaged for right. us, we, we are not just an outsourcing company where, okay, you give us one task or we hire, we, we give you like two people to work on something random. We care about what we, we build and we have to also believe in it, right? So... In, 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 um, your, in your client's projects, I mean, you have to believe in your yes. client's projects. Okay, yes. so you practically, uh, if I may assume here, I guess, you're practically handpicking, trying to handpick your clients. Yes. Okay, that's 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 rare. Um, and let's let's build on what you started because it's a very interesting topic. Uh, so you guys, if I may uh, recap, you guys studying as um, the company in order to build your own products. Uh, then you got more or less contracted by someone to build their product. So you switched. Uh, for 
uh, for some time you've switched and started building the product, which gave you a lot of insights from how to build the product, right? And this is what you're trying to uh, provide your current clients uh, also, the, not just technical partner, but a full spectrum. Uh, how, in this roadmap, in this, in this um, way of working, can you tell us how, do you, how did you build your work environment? Because, you know, outsourcing and building products are two different mindsets. Can you give us a word about your work environment and also your team? So, the fact that at the moment when we started the company, we were recognized in a way in the companies where we worked on uh, as good professionals and also good people to be around. Uh, this helped us, especially at the beginning, which I think is crucial, to attract former colleagues that we thought that are good professionals and we would like to work with them. And yeah, I, I think this, in a way, this put us into, into like a unique position where our first 10 employees were like senior developers or senior people with really good uh, professional tracks. And implicitly this came with a lot of trust, right? So when you work with people with trust, the communication, it's maybe sometimes it's more uh, frank, but it's transparent. You, you don't, meaning in a lot of companies, if things are really layered, then communication has to suffer a lot. For us to be successful, given the fact that, yeah, even now we are 37 people, we are still a small company. And for things to work well, we have to be transparent, but also communication is like the main key. So as long as everyone feels comfortable to communicate whatever issue he sees or he thinks that something is not really right, then we can do and um, and we push this to our clients as well. So communication. Our, yes. Okay. So our clients should expect us if if we see that something is not right or something is not going to work or you know, or we see a dysfunctionality in how things are set up and stuff like that, we tell right away. So, as I said, we are not into uh, we are you know, actually innocent, but we are not into this like for the money. We are we've tried to find a purpose in what we do, and basically all the the main benefit is knowing at the end of the day that, okay, I did a good job on this. I added value to my clients, but also to myself, you know, so, uh, yeah. And that's why after, basically, in October, we are going to have, like, uh, we are being together for, like, five years. But it was never for us about the size, I mean, trying to grow fast have as many projects as possible. Uh, as I said, we try to handpick our clients. We're pretty picky about it. But I think this uh, plays to our strengths. And at the end of the day, you have to be yeah, happy about what you're doing. It's feeling that, okay, I'm doing a good job. And That's, that's a good mixture. Um, that's a good mixture of both talent, communication. So there's a lot of... Um, 
Yeah, there's the, there, there, those are the elements to provide value for clients and also have your team uh, evolve. Um, in my, in my uh, career, I have understood, I've interacted with a lot of uh, tech, uh, tech teams. And usually what I've seen is that teams that actually have very good um, evolution and a very steady one, constant one, also know their weaknesses. So you know their, your strength and you've mentioned uh, some, you've mentioned the, uh, the, the seniority of your team, the good communication. I wonder if you could tell us also uh, what do you consider will be two weak points uh, that you are aware of, of course, and if there's any plan on how to tackle them in the near future. One, one issue that is sort of like a recurring one in a way, sometimes it's too much communication. Uh, and why is that? Uh, as I said, we try to to work with our clients in the same manner where we com communicate a lot. Uh, and everyone that works on a specific project is entitled to communicate with the client and obtain information and clarify things and offer feedback and stuff like that. This is really good, meaning basically the client that doesn't feel that we are like a service company or outsourcing. It feels like we are there, we're working with them together. And but at the same time, it gets hard sometimes on the people because not everyone is accustomed to it, meaning to communicate that much. To if you if you hire someone that comes from a service company for from a sourcing company from Cluj or that's used to okay, I'm a developer, someone else is gonna tell me what to do each day. And at the end of the day, I'm okay, I'm done, and I've done my job. If you introduce them into this mixture where you're not like one piece that someone tells you, you're an automaton. Meaning you, you overall you have a higher level understanding of what's required of you. But it's part of your job to also be sure that what's required of you makes sense and actually it's something that needs to be built or you know totally. or what are the boundaries around that. So uh, and this we we were able to function like this for. Yeah, I think for like almost two years. But as the team size grew, especially when we started hiring more junior people, well, we saw that this way is not like ideal, at least for them. Mainly because, uh, yeah, they, at the beginning, they don't have like the, you know, the trust in themselves, right? They're not that confident that they should ask and stuff like that. And so they don't to, teach your communication in school, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the technical university. Yeah. And yeah, so then we uh, we started to to formalize a bit. Put like okay, team leaders in place, formalize processes a bit more, formalize more channels of communication. The drawback with this one is that if if you transition from like an environment where it's a, a really open and a lot of communication happening to this other model where you have some communication hubs that are some designated persons to, to do that, there's a lot of communication on them now. You know? So you moved a lot of burden on them. Uh, 
And also, you don't, maybe you don't matter that much. Uh, the rest of the people that they, are, they don't have this phone now that much to, to communicate so, directly with the client. So, you, so you're isolated, you can like take this uh, advantage of them learning how to communicate with the client. And okay, okay, I think I understand what you mean. Um, you get me to, uh, you get me to another question. Um, so you practically uh, are very passionate about product. All your founders are very passionate about product. Um, and from what I know, you, you're also uh, building a product studio alongside the service-based business. Um, so I wonder, the balance between service and product is not easy. And I see more and more people, and I, I wonder if it's the same uh, situation in your team, more and more people, especially developers, tech guys, that tend to, to want to work more on product than on services, even though when working on services, you practically work on a product, but it's the client's product, right? And they don't do the mindset, mindset switch uh, between what means service and product. So... If in your case, like I wonder how this year feels in your team, and also, uh, you know, let's first go with this question. I'll, I'll jump on it. So, how, how does it feel? How does your um, uh, colleagues feel about the different mindsets? Well, for for sure, uh, the fact that we expose them right away to working with our clients on their product as part of their product team, not just a sourcing company somewhere, uh, force them to change their mindset. And from my point of view, communication is part of that change, uh, right? Where it's not that structured, but each one of us are entitled to ask questions, to clarify things, to, to tell our opinion if something doesn't feel good or stuff like that. And from my point of view, this is paramount for your own progress as well. So you want people that work on products to, to be to feel confident and entitled that okay they can ask questions, they can actually maybe a part of their vision to be effective in that product. If for sure it won't be everyone's vision or right, but what's yeah, it's as a team. You can add a lot more value than just one one person detecting. Okay, we do this and we do this. And so collaboration and exchanging ideas and trying to keep off ideas. It's a really creative way of actually reaching to yeah something better. And um, what if what if uh, one of the team members uh, decides realizes uh, or at least thinks of uh, a new product idea, like let's say he wants to switch towards entrepreneurship. Uh, what's your uh, intake? What's your um, what's the way you approach him when he comes and says, "I'd like to do more of the entrepreneurial work," because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that switch when you, especially if you're a tech guy, because we always think that. Building tech is what solves the problem, which we all know that in the entrepreneurial world is no. It's 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 finding a solution to a specific problem. So how do you how do you do that in your team? Well, we are a bit structured about this in the sense that 
each couple of months we have all these all hands sessions with everyone and we call them like product ideas gathering do you have an idea do you want something to okay put it on the list try to give a short bill about it and then we review them we pick I don't know, top three or top five and we ask okay let's go into more detail so try to pitch it try to to explain to us okay what are you what's the what's the problem that you're trying to solve and is it solvable this is pretty important so as well entrepreneurship practice. yeah so and yeah basically we try to have this not necessarily startup weekends but more okay let's think about problems and solutions and have uh, a safe way for you to expose your ideas if you theoretically yeah with us it's safer because you work with us each day so um yeah the trust is there meaning it's uh, it's it's two ways i guess that's so uh, to build the framework on top of which they if they have this uh let's say ideas you organize i don't know maybe hack mini hackathons or hackathons where they exactly yeah, yeah. Okay. we try to do this uh, quite often in the last year, we, we went even further than that. We said, okay, so for four years, probably last like three years, and we focused exclusively like in building uh, a team and our services portfolio, mainly to be able to have a steady cash flow and to be stable and stuff like that from a business point of view. But our our core is like we wanted the products. So we said, okay, it's time to do more of that, which means time to invest more. And also we know that doing part-time ish doesn't really work. So mm. now we have a dedicated team of like four or five people, two on the product side, actually three on the product side, UX, that uh, focus okay on the product and the idea itself, and we also have at all the times at least one, two, three developers that are able to create a quick prototype or something if it's needed on that, the technical that's side. That's really and useful when you talk to clients about that because you practically know all the hardships that a client goes through when they're launching a new product. So now I see why you're, you, were, you were saying that you practically can accompany him from. From the from 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 the yes. first moment, because you're this, doing this that is, yourself. Yes, this is part of our offering in a way. So our our goal is on the services side. If someone comes to us and says, "I have this idea," one okay, we're going to validate it, and then offer him solutions to it, and then but also besides solutions, maybe we decide to invest in it saying okay so we can come with the development part you come with the maybe with the product idea and we, we are partners in this and we build it so or you come with the idea we can help you with our product side refine it and depends maybe it's is not viable, so you have to kill it but at least you don't spend $100,000 to, to realize that it's not viable. So 
that's that's a nice value yeah. proposition. So let's we've organically switched towards towards this topic, um, which which is clients. And at the end of the day, um, it's all about clients. Let's let's admit it. And yeah, sometimes, as you said, you're the client because you're building your product. But if we were to talk about, for example, for the service part, um, what should, which are the types of clients? What is the client avatar that you're aiming for, which suits you best based on your mindset, based on your uh, personal, uh, sorry, uh, organizational culture? So for sure, basically our incipient startups. So clients that want to build a product and as, are as close as possible to point zero or really close to it. Uh, because then we're going to play to our strengths. We, we have a lot of experience already doing this. So we have already like five clients that are successful and with, with whom we live, we've done this. Uh, and yeah, basically as close as possible to a startup mindset, startup culture, uh, and also with a vision, with a good vision of what what he sees his product being and stuff like that. And what about uh, what, what about? So you mentioned with uh, entrepreneur that it's at the beginnings, but what if what if somebody already launched? Uh, idea maybe he even created a, a small MVP which validated and now he wants to I don't know maybe raise a seed series A uh, investment round and he's looking to expand scale up his team do you also help this kind of clients uh, yes yes uh, but as I said we prefer to have like ownership for everything so if he's saying okay I have this prototype it works I'm gonna throw it away. Let's do it now. I don't know. Uh, I want to scale. I want to redesign it. I want. I don't know. Then yeah, for sure we are. We are. We are the team to do that. You um, have the. You have the technical expertise. Yes. Okay. So we. And also this. Uh, also, it's really important for us to be able to choose the technologies we we work. We are working with. Mainly because we we have a lot of experience mm -hmm. we, with different technology stacks. We, and also our team is really uh, varied on different technology stacks. So we're able to offer like the most pragmatic approach to building your product in the same way that won't keep us awake at night, won't keep our clients awake at night and also be able to, to deliver the faster because the fastest way because especially for a startup this matters a lot right so, so most you're, of the you're time, also offering consultancy for someone who's non-technical or agnostic you're also advising on okay which technology better suits his uh yeah his, his project yeah. right that's very yes, useful yes. that's definitely very useful um um okay so we understand we have now the, the client avatars can you also reference, I don't know, maybe uh, a specific domain or industry that you prefer your clients to be in? We are not that... Or are you agnostic to industry? Uh, we, yeah. Uh, for 
actually for us, the more varied it is, the more interesting it is. Because yeah. we, we got we get to learn new stuff along the way as well. So and actually to to understand business domains. But we we are not doing this just for the sake of it. If we are doing this because this is gonna help us in product in our products at some point, right? Meaning to have to identify a solution, to identify a problem and then come with a solution, we have to, to really understand the business domain. The more business domains we understand as a company, the more varied is our potential of building products for those domains. So, so, so he has, the client has to have the domain knowledge and you come up with the technical expertise to exactly. fill that, that niche that he found, right? Yes. Okay, yes. I understand. Um, okay, so... Let's say let's say we have a client, okay, we know the avatar, he comes to you and you've already done the, the whole roadmap of the product. You know, you know that it's pretty hard to even if you have the good domain knowledge to find the solution that fits the market, right? Does the product market fit and it can scale up? It's a long way to go. And most of the startups don't end up to have a product market fit, right? And so my question to you is what how should what should a client expect from you um, if he for example hasn't yet um, reached product market fit because there's a lot of challenges how do you how do you help him how do you specifically uh, guide him so as i said before it's really important to to ask out of questions to to try to clarify his vision, and then if, if that vision actually it is uh, realistic, so it's and to 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 be able to find that product market fit, if actually that product is viable or not, you have to ask the questions, right? What what problem are you solving? Is it actually a problem? Is someone actually? Uh, is gonna someone is, is someone give, gonna give you money for for this so solution? You even help so, him, for example, prepare uh, the custom uh, customer interviews, or I don't know, maybe yes, yes, A/B testing, everything. So okay, so yeah, we as I said, we offer from the from idea phase to market validation, A/B testing. I don't know even the pitch phase so if you want to go then to investors we were trying to help you to with your presentation and how to position yourself and stuff like that. that's very useful especially for for founders that might be at their first venture uh and that they don't know the entire roadmap um okay and Let's because you mentioned technology, but I'd like to deep dive a little bit into that because you're you're a very experienced tech guy. Um, can you please tell us what is the tech stack that you currently use? Because you you said you offer a lot of uh, uh, possibilities. From which uh, which tech stack do you choose? So uh, depends on the depends on the use case most of the time. So if if the solution means like a mobile app, then we go to React Native. Um, there are good reasons for that, mostly because it's cross-platform, so you don't have to build the same app twice. 
for startups, this is really <laughs> important. Cost right? so, yeah. Um, although we, we had clients that uh, want uh, insisted on the native, and yeah, we have skills for that. Uh, actually, all the yeah, all our our team that does React Native before we're doing. Uh, uh, I know Swift or uh, Kotlin on Android. And for for backend services, our technology of choice is uh, Elixir with Phoenix. Uh, this is a a bit more niche in a way technology, but it allows us to be really fast in development, and also it allows us to be really resilient. So we are. Yeah, as I said, allows us to sleep well at night. <laughs> okay, so you are also uh, quick prototyping using uh, Elixir. Yes, right? so to, to be able to, to prototype really fast, and yeah, time for prototype production is not such a big gap. Understood. Uh, it scales yeah. well. And yeah, we, we try to focus a lot on functional technologies, uh, mainly because in our experience, especially working on big projects, large projects, this allowed us to keep sane, being sane, meaning mm-hmm. to, to manage all that complexity in a sane way and be able to invest our time in adding business value, not maintaining some really crazy patterns or whatever. So by going with functional technologies, you're able to focus more on the business side of the product than on the technical side of it. Meaning, okay, you have to have now juggle with 10 balls to, to be able to keep the project running. So you, you, you focused a lot on the on, on Elixir rather than the others. Would you say that this is uh, the technology you use the most? Uh, in the last six years, yes. Yes, for and, sure. And how um, did you decide to go on that? What was the reasoning? Was the was the prototyping the main reason, or uh, prototyping, uh, but also the reliability of it. Also, the fact that how to say the the mindset when you develop using Elixir and Phoenix allows you to to be really. To manage the state of the application really easy. So, and because of that, basically you you cut your development time you have. So instead of having a lot of discussions about design patterns and what should I do here and what dependency injection framework should I use and now what, basically, yeah, uh, it's it's a lot faster to how I got into that after working with. C sharp for like seven years with Java for three four years, uh, where all the solutions got convoluted really fast. Meaning, it it got a lot more about the code itself than the problem that you try to solve. And yeah, I'm a pragmatic person. I I don't like to spend a lot of time on stuff that I shouldn't spend, <laughs> be spending. So that's yeah. good for clients. Um, clients appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's how I realized that. Yeah, we we 
we found finally is a technology stack that enables us to do a lot, to do a lot in a short time and also to, to be reliable and fast. That's that's pretty important, I think. And from, from what I know, uh, there aren't so many companies actually that there are quite a few, uh, quite few that do Elixir, right? This position is on a very good niche, technology niche. Um, have you, I don't know, invested in um, building this um, this ecosystem, this Elixir ecosystem? Yes, uh, I, I would say we started, so Elixir, was first alpha was in 2013. In 2014, I gave the first presentation on it. Since then, probably I gave at least 15 to 20 technical presentations about Elixir. Uh, first in the Cluj FP functional programming meetup group. Then I created this Elixir meetup specifically for Elixir where uh, we gave a lot of, we tried to share a lot of our knowledge and encouraged other uh, other companies, other people interested from Cluj to, to do the same. Um, and yeah, we're, we are trying to build an ecosystem here in Cluj. To, what I can say is that us doing Elixir uh, puts us in a really nice position as a company. Why we are able to hire really easily good people. So, would you consider yourself as being an influencer in this in this technology niche? Uh, you're about this, you're about this guy. I don't expect that. For sure. <laughs> for sure. That's uh, that's very good to be, in, especially for the company to have a, an, an influence on the technology. Um, yeah. Actually, this helped us acquire projects. Meaning, uh, we had clients that uh, searched us for our skills in this particular niche. So, yeah, we we uh, we try to invest a lot of time in this to, to be able to stay up to date, to, to be as technical as possible on this side. So, because, yeah, knowledge is not free, you have to invest in it. But we invest a lot in our teams, meaning everyone in inside crafting, that's on the development side, had at least three or four uh, technical trainings, workshops, you know, on, to, to learn me, this. Tell me more about it. Tell me more about you. The, so the technology, the team. What about methodology? What working methodology are you using inside your team? Well, we are agile. That's um, but to not be way too agile, we, uh, we go a bit with like a scrum uh, methodology. Uh, depending on the client, either one week, most of the time it's like two weeks sprints. Uh, planning meeting, uh, each uh, couple of weeks. Demo meeting, uh, before planning meeting, so we can review what we built, obtain feedback. Usually the feedback because we communicate a lot with our clients, the feedback is not on the demo meeting, it's more like a stamp of approval because by that time we already obtained feedback. Uh, so it's more like for the demo meeting, we show the finalized, the final form. So we try the feedback to be 
uh, as often as possible. Uh, on the team size here in Cluj, we have daily stand-ups. Now with Corona, everything it's online. So, but it was online before that uh, because we, as a company, we value quite a lot uh, the fact that being a small team, but also having trust between uh, team members, then we don't care that much from where you work. As long as you communicate well, what you're working on, if you found any issues in what you're working on, and give clear feedback and status updates, then yeah, it's... And we've been doing this for a couple of years. So this whole corona situation, it's taxing uh, in other ways, meaning maybe like so, not maybe for sure, it's taxing more on the social part because we are missing those coffee discussions and Work-wise, probably we, I would say we function as well as before, if not better, you know, because now everyone being remote, there's no, there's no mismatch between knowledge shared, maybe only in the office, but we forgot to properly share with the remote colleagues and stuff like that. So now all the information is shared with everyone remote because we are remote, but yeah, we, how we suffer a bit on the social part, and for that we try to to have we have two solutions in, in a way. We have weekly retrospectives, drinkabouts, where we have like I don't know we can have a tea or a beer, depend what you what you would like, and yeah, we discuss stuff outside work more like how do you feel. So you practically weren't so, affected by COVID too much because you already were had the had the capacity to move and do remote full full remote, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we are affected a bit more by the fact that you have to stay on inside your house. But yeah, this is something that all of us go through. So, but work wise, I think we yeah, we actually for us it it went way way better than you would expect. Okay, that's very good news. And in the closing, and Adrian, thank you so much for sharing everything with us because yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, of knowledge there and sharing about your company. Uh, hopefully, they were gonna reach uh, as many entrepreneurs that could benefit from your type of service because you have you have a lot of things to offer. That's for sure. Um, I will. I have one more question for you because uh, everything's you know there's there's the innovation buzzword. Um, that's going on along others, but the innovation I think it's it's mostly used. And I'd like let's say a more of like prediction from your side. What do you predict is gonna be the more the domain that is gonna need the industry is gonna need the most innovation? Where do you expect the innovation and the the change to come from? Um, for sure. Although, yeah, maybe I'm too sure. I think in the VR and augmented reality space. So in the next 10 years, if you're going to see a lot of products and also a lot of changes in our way that we use technology, it's going to be around VR and augmented reality. And yeah, 
I think this this is the domain where in 10 years from now there are still a lot of problems to be solved in that domain, but there's also a lot of potential. And who is able who's gonna be able to solve some of the problems is gonna be probably the next Google or Facebook. That that's something that I think is gonna happen and it's gonna be have a lot of impact in, in our lives. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully they're gonna have uh, we're gonna have some AR VR entrepreneurs uh, reading this article and uh, they can come with you and you can yeah, sure. you can implement the next Facebook in AR VR maybe. Okay, uh, Adrian, thank you so much for uh, for talking to us and yeah, looking forward to having the video, the scripts, and the articles that go alongside. Thank you so much and looking forward to our next, maybe on another topic, maybe on AR and VR topic. Sure. It was a pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe, share and review our podcast because the voice of our community keeps us going forward. Find more episodes and discover different perspectives about tech and business and in our daily life. Thank you.